0: Good morning, everyone. So good to see you this morning in the Lord's house. Uh, thank you, uh, Pastor uh, Andrew, for, um, for that uh, short explanation on, on the pastor and uh, his family and your family. Um, Certainly, uh, let's continue to pray for the Lewis uh, Stuckey family uh, as they go through this time. Uh, It's been a great uh, service uh, thus far, and I was excited to hear that new song that we just sang, uh, Choosing the Jesus Way. Wow, what a, what a challenge and a goal that is for each of us, isn't it? To choose the Jesus way. All of you in here are here as a result of making that decision to choose the Jesus way. And I praise the Lord for you. Open your Bibles, please, to uh, the book of Mark. Mark chapter 9 and verse 50. As part of our reading this, this week, haven't you enjoyed the, the sort of the spirit readings that we've had this year? Uh, they've been, they've been uh, inspirational for all of us and I've really enjoyed them. And one of the verses that we had this week is the, is the topic of our message today. In honor of God's word, I'm going to ask that you, uh, that you please stand. It's one verse, and if you're able to stand, uh, please do so. Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 50. And these are Jesus' words speaking to the disciples and speaking to us this morning. These are his words. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence this morning and ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through these few words that your son spoke. In your son's name, amen. Please be seated. The title of today's message is Called to be Salt. Called to be Salt. I have with me today a small container. I don't know if you can see it from where you're seated, but it's pretty small. Uh, Most of us see this type of container In the kitchen, maybe close to the stove is where you would see a container like this. Uh, But definitely you would see a container like this on the dinner table. What is it? Of course, yes, it's a salt shaker. The next question that you probably uh, will ask is, well, what does salt do for the body? I had to find out. The human body requires about 500 milligrams, or a spoonful, of this ingredient. It's called sodium. It conducts nerve impulses. It contracts and relaxes the muscles. It helps us maintain the correct volume of circulating blood and tissue fluid in the body. And it helps maintain the proper balance of water and minerals. According to the uh, FDA, even though having salt in our diet is important, Americans eat way too much salt each day. Well, what happens to our food when we sprinkle a little bit of salt on it? What happens to our food? Salt is that ingredient that enhances the flavor of what we're eating, it enhances the flavor. Sometimes it balances the sweetness. Of the food. Sometimes it suppresses bitterness. Salt. Helps food taste better doesn't it? Salt helps food go from bland. To amazing. Many of you know how. how good I am around the kitchen. In fact, uh, there was a television show made after me. It's called The Worst Cooks in America. I don't know very much about the kitchen and salt. I had to look this up uh, because it was our message today. had to look at a few commentaries. Warren Worsby was one of them. And he commented that in Leviticus chapter 2, you don't have to look this up, but he addresses how the Jews were not allowed to use leaven or honey, but that they could use salt. In verse 13 of Leviticus 2, it says, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all of your offerings. I've had the opportunity to break bread with some of you over the years. And I've noticed that some of you will grab this container and just sprinkle a little bit of it on. And then others of you have literally taken this verse to heart. And you and you load it up, and you load it up, and you load it up. This ingredient that we call salt. Well, it's important for us to understand uh, what is going on in chapter 9. If we look carefully, Jesus and his disciples arrive in Capernaum, and he asked them in verse 33, if you go back in chapter 9, verse 33, he asked the question, What were you arguing about on the road? Wow, that's a pointed question. What were you arguing about on the road? Naturally, no one is going to admit what they were discussing. But Jesus knows, doesn't he? He knows. Jesus continues to teach that to to be truly great, You've got to do three things. And he's talking to the disciples. You must be obedient to the will of God. You must serve others. And you must have an allegiance to Christ. The Jews of Jesus' day considered rank, position, and recognition pretty important. Rank, position, and recognition. Does that sound familiar to the average American today? Does that sound familiar among some of the churchgoers today? What's another word for this? Rank, position. What's another word for this? Pride pride. Here's a quick pride test for you and I to consider. Number one, am I upset if I'm not praised for my work? Wow. Number two, do honorary titles pump me up? Is popularity crucial to my sense of self-worth? Do I think I have something valuable to say about almost everything? Whoa, let me ask that one again. Do I think I have something valuable to say about almost everything? Wow. Jesus is teaching. He wants his disciples to be servants. Jesus wants his disciples to be salt In a similar verse to our opening scripture in Mark, it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. The salt that we use today It's purified, and it does not lose its taste. But the salt of that day contained many impurities and could lose its flavor. The disciples were in danger of losing their saltiness. They were in danger of becoming worthless. That kind of useless salt, as it says in Matthew, was better thrown out on the road for people to trample on. Greg Lowry said in a daily devotional recently, God uses people to reach people. Is this a true statement? Does God really use people to reach people? Where does this salt thing that we're talking about this morning fit into our calling as a believer? Well, let's take a look at the Bible to see if this is true. I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles. You're going to need them today. Uh, and we're going to go through several examples. Let's, let's see what the New Testament says. And all these examples, to make it convenient for, for me, and I won't have to flip a bunch of pages, it's all, they're all found in the book of Acts. So let's take a look at the first one. Remember Stephen? Remember Stephen? Acts chapter 7. Everybody turn there. Acts chapter 7, beginning with verse 58. So they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold their sin, this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval. To his death. Saul observed another person's faith. Stephen's faith. Paul, who was then called Saul, observed the saltiness of a man named Stephen. And what he stood for. How about another one? Remember Ananias? Look at chapter 9, Ananias. You remember the Lord says, go to Paul. Well, take a look at verse 17 of Acts chapter 9, and it says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit Verse 18, immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. How was Paul's sight restored? Paul listened to Ananias' saltiness. Do you see it? How about the next one? Remember the Ethiopian eunuch. Turn to Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, just a page before, the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that gets down, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace. Queen of Ethiopia this man has gone this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet the spirit told Philip go to that chariot and stand near it philip ran to the chariot heard the man reading from isaiah do you understand what you're reading philip asked how can i unless someone explains it to me so he invited philip up to sit with him. And in verse 35 it says. And Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And told him the good news of Jesus. How did the Ethiopian hear the gospel? By listening to, Paul, to Philip's saltiness. How about another one? Remember Cornelius? Turn in chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius. And turn to verse 30. Cornelius answered, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. Peter comes and at the end of verse 33, he says, now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Cornelius hears the gospel. How? By listening to Simon Peter's what? Saltiness. Remember Lydia? Turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter 16, uh, Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. Lydia. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gates to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. How did Lydia hear the gospel? God opened her heart to listen to Paul's saltiness. The last example is the Philippian jailer. Acts chapter 16, that same chapter, and go down to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chain came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. And he asked, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. How did the Philippian jailer hear about the gospel? By listening to the saltiness of Paul and Silas. How did God reveal himself to you? Did God knock you down on the ground like with a blinding light like Saul of Tarsus? No you probably didn't have that Damascus Road experience. You probably didn't have that experience that the Ethiopian eunuch had. You probably didn't find yourself in jail. Well, maybe in the middle of the night with like the Philippian jailer. But maybe someone's saltiness, maybe someone's saltiness Was sprinkled on you. Maybe someone's saltiness rubbed off on you. How did God reveal himself to you? I heard about the gospel of Jesus through, through the saltiness of my mom and dad. While I was growing up. And there's something to be said about growing up in a Christian home. It's a blessing, being taught about the Bible, reading stories, singing choruses, praying around the dinner table, sharing testimonies about how good God is. The saltiness of mom and dad. My wife, Alita, received her saltiness from her parents, Francisco and Guadalupe Garibay, my in-laws. Our children April, Jennifer, Gregory. They got their saltiness, their recommended dose of saltiness from Melita and I. Permit me to pause right here and ask you these questions. When was the last time you shared your testimony? When was the last time you were Salty. When was the last time you told someone about Jesus? God wants to use you and I today. What does being salty really mean to a Christian? Well, let me give you some examples. How about saying good morning to your neighbor as they walk their child to the bus stop? That's very practical, isn't it? How about waving to your neighbor three houses down as they work on their yard? How about saying something to your neighbor as they're working under their car in the hot sun? How about greeting your neighbor as they're walking their dog down the street? How about returning your neighbor's trash can from the curb to the front of their house? That's simple stuff. Wow, brother, Greg, those are pretty good examples. Yep, they are. And they happen to me. So the next question is, well, how did you do, Brother Greg? Well, sometimes I did rather good. Other times I didn't. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer, to be salty to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The Bible says that we, you and I, need to be ready. Amen. The Bible says in our verse today, have salt in yourself. God wants you and I to be a missionary. God wants you and I to be the salt in this dark world. God wants you to be, a, to be salty to your neighbors, salty to your family, salty to your community. He wants you to be salty in the workplace. He wants you to be salty at your school. He wants you to be salty at your grocery store, your bank, your beauty shop. He wants you to be salty to your church among the members. He wants you to be salty right here in Troy, Illinois. God wants you to be salty in every aspect of your daily life. God wants you to be a salty missionary regardless of your experience, regardless of your background, your nationality, your education, or your age. Just like Jesus was teaching his disciples, all he wants is our obedience. Are you ready to be a salty missionary? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1-7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love, and of a sound mind. I heard Adrian Rogers preach on the radio recently, and he said something that's very pertinent to this subject of saltiness that we're talking about this morning. And he said, it's sad, but the majority of Christians today have never brought another person to the saving knowledge of Jesus as their savior. He goes on to say, but it's even sadder than this that the majority of Christians today have never even tried to talk to someone else about how to know Jesus as their Savior. And he concludes, but the most saddest thing I've ever heard is, the majority of Christians today don't even care that the world around them don't know Jesus. You see when we walk out the doors of this sanctuary we're walking into the harvest field and the Bible says be ready Amen John 4:35 says do you not say four months more and then the harvest I tell you open your eyes and look at the fields They are ripe for the harvest. As you leave out the driveway of the church today, I want you to notice a small blue sign. It's on the right side of the road, just before you reach the mailbox. It reads, you are now entering the mission field. You're entering your harvest field. And the Bible says, be ready. What does the Bible say in Matthew 28, 19? We all know it. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus gives us a command to go. He doesn't give us a suggestion or a choice. He doesn't say, well, if you want to. He doesn't say, if you feel like it today... He doesn't say, well, when you're finally trained. Jesus said, go and be my messengers. Go and be my ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5. Go and be my salty missionaries to a lost world. Do you care about those who are dying without hope? Do you care about those who will spend eternity without Jesus? I want you to note, go back to our scripture this this morning, and I want you to look at, look at the verse before the verse that we're talking about today. Mark chapter 9, we read verse 50, but I want you to go back just one verse, verse 49. Jesus is talking And he says, Everyone will be salted with fire. Everyone. Everyone. Pay attention here. Everyone includes everyone. Everyone sitting in this auditorium. Everyone. Everyone will be salted with fire. For the unbeliever, it will be a perpetual fire of final judgment in hell. For the disciple... It will be a refining fire that results in a final victory because of the faith we have in him. So let's sprinkle some salt. Let's sprinkle some hope on people. The concluding words of Jesus in verse 50 said, in verse 50, Jesus said, be at peace with each other. Remember, who is talking here? Remember who he's talking to? Jesus is talking to his disciples and he takes them back to verse 33. Remember verse 33? And he says, what were you guys arguing about on the road? Do you think Jesus may have been talking to you and I this morning? Jesus is teaching his disciples about getting along with each other. He said, be humble. Avoid causing others to stumble. Don't fuss with each other. Don't fight among yourselves. Don't argue about position and rank, status. Instead, let's Let's sprinkle some salt. Let's sprinkle some hope on people. Alita and I had the privilege of attending a funeral this past week. The beautiful service Beautiful service. Not only were we able to sing and worship, but we also heard a wonderful message. The message of hope. It was a celebration of life. And I think what I loved the most was watching and hearing family members come forward And speak. Two by two, grandchildren came forward. And they shared remembrances about how their beloved grandfather had invested time with them, in other words, how grandpa had sprinkled some of his saltiness on their lives. Some of them shared a funny story. Some of them shared a serious story. Some of them shared a lesson learned. Some of them shared a loving story. Some of them shared a missions story. Some of them shared a family story. Some of them shared a favorite hymn. and even a silly, silly song. As I reflected on what I saw and heard, I couldn't help but be inspired by the Holy Spirit and say to myself, That's the kind of salty father I want to be. Amen. That's the kind of salty husband, salty grandpa that I want to be. That's the kind of salty deacon that I want to be. That's the kind of salty community group leader that I want to be. That's the kind of salty teacher that I want to be. That's the kind of salty missionary that I want to be. That's the kind of salty friend that I want to be. That's the kind of salty Christian that I want to be. Are you ready to be a missionary? Are you ready to add some saltiness to those people around us who are lost? Are you ready to add some hope to those people all around us who are desperate for an answer? there are people all around us who are like that Philippian jailer who are drawing their sword and they're ready to take their life and they're waiting to listen to your voice, to your saltiness. There are people all around us who are like that Ethiopian eunuch Who are trying to make sense of what they're reading. And they're waiting to listen to your voice. Your saltiness. There are people all around us who are desperate. And living a life without hope. And they're waiting to listen to your voice. Your saltiness. Called to be salt. Are you ready? Are you ready to be the salt that God has called you to be? Let's pray. Father, How I thank you for your word. How I thank you, Father, for your teaching. And the words that you use to teach your disciples, I pray, Father, that they would fall on our hearts this morning. And that we might apply what we've heard from your Holy Spirit in our lives today and in our lives this week. Make us salty, Father. We want to be useful, Father. Use us. In your Son's name. Amen.